As a promising season moves through the uncertainty of a hot and unpredictable summer, some farmers are taking stock of their less tangible assets. What role does trust play in your farm business? That's today on Field Posts. Post is a DTN Progressive Farmer podcast that dives deeper into the most important trends in agriculture to explore the business's cutting edge. I'm your host, Sarah Mock. David Horsager is the CEO of the Trust Edge Leadership Institute and has been a rock star at multiple DTN ag summits in recent years. In the ag sector, where discussion often focuses on practices, tools, and the physical realities of the business, Conversations about the intangibles, like the importance of relationships and trust, can be thin on the ground. But not anymore. This week, we'll listen in on David's presentation and take a closer look at how intangibles like trust not only matter on farms, but represent one of the most important inputs to a business's success. More from David on the Trust Edge, right after this word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by MyDTN. In today's environment, it's essential, more than ever, to get the most current and accurate information to help save your valuable resources and continue to be profitable. Get access to all the information you need to deal with this change from DTN. As the leading independent, trusted source of actionable insights and market information, MyDTN gives you accurate weather forecasts, the most extensive database of grain bids, and the most timely news and analysis from our award-winning news team. These features and more are available 24-7 via desktop, laptop, and any mobile device to be with you on the go. Learn more at mydtn.com and start a free 14-day trial. Now, back to the show. David Horsager is the best-selling author of The Trust Edge and CEO of Trust Edge Leadership Institute. With clients ranging from Fortune 100 companies to professional sports teams and global governments, David has taken the platform across the United States and on six continents. He invented the Enterprise Trust Index and leads the charge in the nation's foremost trust study, the Trust Outlook. He spoke with farmers virtually at the 2020 DTN Ag Summit. We join him there. Just to get us all on the same page, if you weren't here last year, if you were here last year, I want to take about a, a few minutes to bring us all to the same page, and then I'm going to give you some new ideas compared to uh, what I talked about last year. Number one. A lack of trust is the biggest expense I have and the biggest expense you have. Everything of value is built on trust. We have to think bigger about trust because where teams are concerned, where organizations are concerned, where leaders are concerned, where succession planning in farms is concerned, the core issue is always a trust issue. I will argue it more than ever. You know, this goes back to my grad work and now the research we do every year out out of the Institute, it is always a trust issue where teams, people, leaders, and organizations are concerned. Think about this. The number one question everyone is asking about you is not, do I like you? I've got friends I like a lot. I wouldn't go into business with them in a million years. The number one question everybody's asking about you is, can I trust you? Can I trust you? Everything of value is built on trust. So let's come back to defining it together very quickly. We talked about this last year, but to get everybody on the same page, 
this first few minutes together, the case for trust, why I believe a lack of trust is the biggest expense we have. First of all, what is it? What is trust? Is it, is it, uh, you know, is it confidence? Is it integrity? Is it consistency? Is it transparency? Here, here's a good picture of trust for everyone. Thankfully, we're not flying a lot these days, right? Even animals have a perspective of trust. But what is trust? Is trust, you know, I would argue it's more complex than we might think. We might think, you know, it takes a long time to build trust. And that can be true, but on a moment, 11, a moment of crisis like 9-11, complete strangers trust each other like that if they're running the same direction. We might think, well, you know, transparency is trusted, so just be more transparent. And it can be healthy to be transparent. You'll see that in the research. But some of your kids are so transparent on social media, I don't trust them for a second because confidentiality is also trusted. We can think just be confident and confidence is trusted. Well, that's trusted unless it leads to arrogance, which isn't trusted. So how do we define it out of the Institute? We define it as a confident belief in a person, a product, or an organization. Trust is a confident belief in a person, a product, or an organization. When I can confidently believe in you, everything changes. This is the infographic from the first half of my original research. When I was looking at companies, organizations, leaders, what's the uniqueness of the greatest around the world? Every time trust was the core issue, and every time tr output, morale, retention, productivity, innovation, loyalty went up, when trust went up. If we could just deal with trust, it changed everything. Think about this. You know, uh, it's not a leadership issue, ever. The only reason I follow a leader or not is trust. It's not an innovation issue. The only way to bring innovation up in a company or an organization or a team is increase trust so people feel safe sharing ideas, creativity goes up, innovation goes up. The only way to amplify a marketing message is increase trust in the message. The only way to enable more learning in a classroom is increase trust in the teacher, the content, or the classroom, the safety, the environment, right? Diversity issues of our day, the biggest study, Harvard study, shows diversity on its own tends to pit people against each other unless they increase trust. The only way to get the benefits of diversity is, is increased trust, and then the benefits are many. Think about it. A lack of trust is always the biggest cost, always the biggest issue. And you can think about it simply. You know, if I, if I put a lock on something, like last year I told the story about Mr. Olson's veggie stand or I told the story about growing up, right? And, and how we, we had this little honor stand where people made their own change and paid what they owe to grab their veggies. And because it was built on trust, it was incredibly efficient. But you can think about a lock business. The only reason I put a lock on anything is because I don't trust you. A lock business is built on a lack of trust. And what's the cost? Well, the money to buy the lock, but the biggest cost is time. Now I've got to open it. Or you can think about it this way. Write a text to someone you trust. How long does that take? Now try to text someone you don't trust. How long does that take? Uh, how long are they going to take this? How long are they going to get it? Forevermore. Your cost where there's a lack of trust is enormous. Your key role, if you're leading a farm, an organization, or a family, is increasing trust and the biggest risk you have is losing trust. So I'm going to give a, just a glimpse of the newest data from the uh, Trust Outlook, our annual research, and we are going to get into some new uh, ways, some of the fastest ways you build trust that I didn't cover last year. First of all, from the Trust Outlook, number one reason, people want to work for an organization ahead of more pay, ahead of more autonomy, 
ahead of a more fun work environment with a ping pong table, right? Number one, trusted leadership. Last year, nine out of 10 Americans would not refer products or services they don't trust. It's not a referral issue. The only way to increase referrals is increase trust. In fact, people say, I want more engagement on my team. The only way to increase engagement on a team is increase trust. What about generations? You got some new generations in your workforce, in your team, on your farm? Gen Zs and millennials said they'd work longer hours, be a better team player, be more loyal. They just trusted their senior leadership. But by the way, before we get into ageism, everyone said the same thing, traditionalists, boomers, X, Y, Z, ABC, plus or minus 1%. They all put trust number one. Think trust doesn't affect the bottom line. Half of Americans said they invested $1,000 or more based purely on trust. And I was blown away by the statistic which found 13 million Americans have invested $100,000 or more based purely on trust. 92% of people said they trust their senior leader more if they're more transparent about their mistakes. This is the last bit of research, but it hit me over the head. But this is interesting because my oldest daughter I'm on a walk with her. She's a teenager at the time. <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget this. And it pointed to this finding later. We're walking and she said, about, I don't know if it was about boys or grades or what. She said, Dad, you wouldn't understand. Because you're perfect. And you and I both know that's sweet to be their hero at three years old, but you got a problem if that's what they're saying at 15 or 13. And you want a healthily confident daughter, but I knew I needed to do something different. See, many people read the top of this. 92% of people would trust their leader more if they were more transparent about their mistakes. These days I get to sit by presidents of countries and presidents of companies. I get to sit by uh, heads of pro sports teams and what I see is imposter syndrome with leaders that are scared to death are going to be found out and they need someone to listen to and they need someone to be real with, and they need someone to love them but the deal here is you got to be transparent about your mistakes and what I learned about my oldest daughter she saw me fly to things like this get picked up by a sedan go on a jet do this speak they, the kids often would come with me but she didn't see all the stuff that happened uh, all, everything that happens that my wife knows and everybody else knows so I made an intention. Once a week when we go on a walk, I started sailing, uh, sharing the times I failed. The time I bought every, uh, used all of our money to buy a business and lost everything right before she was born. The time I made this mistake, the time I've been, I don't need to go into therapy now, but she, I just started to share all the mistakes I've made or many of them. What happened to our relationship? Just changed forever, that's all. So, healthy appropriate transparency can be a way that builds trust and a whole lot more so let's get into it i, I want to argue this today though we've had a crazy challenging time the last few months we have to keep <laughs> opening the tailgate keep getting in the tractor keep planting keep harvesting in the midst of all these challenges but it's a wild and crazy time here's the good news when is the fastest opportunity to build trust when is your greatest opportunity to build trust the fastest? Every interaction, we have an opportunity. First interactions, we have a significant opportunity. But the fastest opportunity? In crisis and recovery. When things are tough, when people are upset, when things are... You think about this, when was George W. Bush the most trusted 
as president. The week after 9-11, his ratings were the highest. How you respond right now in the midst of this global pandemic, in the midst of social unrest, in the midst of the challenges of, hey, China was going to buy all this and they only bought this amount of soybeans or whatever this year, you know, it's like in the midst of challenge, we have a massive opportunity to increase trust the fastest right now. The Trust Edge, this book and work and all these things we do out of the Institute, the Trust Edge is this competitive advantage. We think it's the greatest advantage you can have in work and in life. It's that advantage when people confidently believe in you. That's what we're going for. So there's a few minutes on the first half of all the first half of research that found a lack of trust is the biggest cost I have and the biggest cost you have in life, in business, in farms, in succession, in families, trust is the core root issue. If trust is so important, how do you build it? That was the second question begged from the research. And we're going to spend the rest of our time on that question. How do you actually build trust? Is it just integrity? Is it just honesty? Turns out there was a whole lot more. Eight distinct research funnels. I call them pillars today because they hold up this great advantage we call the trust edge. These eight pillars these are the ways you build trust globally, in your family, with each other. Eight pillars of trust. Just for context, I'm going to give all eight. And then we're going to go deeper on a few of them I think are most relevant to you this year and we didn't cover last year. But just for context, let's give you all eight. Here we go. Number one, people trust the clear and they mistrust or distrust the ambiguous or the overly complex. We trust the clear. You know, it, it's so much work to get to the level of clarity I'm talking about. People want to have, you know, 100 page plans. If they boil down to a page where people could understand it, share it, hold people accountable, accountable to it, that would be clarity, but it's just too much work for people. So they stay ambiguous. People trust the clear. Number two, people trust the compassion, those that care beyond themselves, compassionate. Do not underestimate the power of actually caring, showing care. Oh, I thought you were a professor, David. I thought you were going to give us bottom line takeaways. Do not underestimate the power of actually caring. We're going to touch on this one today. Number three is character. We trust those that do what's right over what's easy. Last year, I told the story about my dad, if you remember that one. But character is trusted. Would you follow you would be a good question to ask under this pillar. And Allison will put it, by the way, she's here in studio and she's putting stuff in the forum for you. So if you'd like some extra information, takeaways, follow on material, go look in the forum. She'll put it there for you. We have a seven step process for how do you create, uh, build higher character in organizations. Number four is competency. We trust those that stay fresh and relevant and capable. You've got to stay, I've got to stay fresh and relevant and capable. That's why it's so critical to work with people like DTN and Reed. I think of my dad sitting there reading Progressive Farmer and staying fresh and relevant and capable. What, did I, what do I think made my dad, by the way, so successful? One of the things, character certainly, I talked about that last year. But when I think of our farm, and it wasn't handed down to him, he bought his first 80 acres when he came back from the... Uh, the Korean War, while well, he was in college, then another 80, another 80, another 80, 1,500 acres or whatever it became, I thought of, he kept learning, kept trying things, kept staying competent, fresh, relevant, 
capable. We're going to come back to that one. Number five is commitment. We trust those that stay committed even in the face of adversity. You think of anybody, your life or history, your first grade teacher, mom, dad, Martin Luther King, Mandela, Gandhi, Jesus, or Joan of Arc, you'll find someone that you trust because they stayed committed to something beyond themselves, often to death. We trust those that stay committed even in the face of adversity. Number six is connection. We, we trust those that are willing to connect and collaborate with others. Number seven is contribution. The number one word that came out of this research funnel was results. We trust those that contribute results. That's why you might have compassion, you might have competency, but you don't deliver the results I expect or ask for. I don't trust you. Hey, think about this. You, you know, I go in for surgery, uh, got to amputate a leg. Terrible. We go in, the surgeon cuts off the wrong leg. We got a problem. It doesn't matter how compassionate they are. They delivered the wrong results. You've got to contribute results. And as far as trust is concerned, the king and queen of the pillars is consistency. We trust those that are consistent. Sameness is trusted. If you're late all the time, I will trust you to be late next time. If you don't wear too many clothes, I might trust you are Kardashian, right? Sameness is trusted. I've had the same exact, I might not, I might not like McDonald's, but I'll trust them. I've had the same burger on six continents. Pickles off center derby where I go, right? Sameness is trusted. So this is the eight pillar framework. I'm going to make a couple comments about this before we go into some fresh ideas that you can use to be most trusted in your industry, to build trust on your farm, your organization, your family, or even yourself. And I will tell you this right now. I'm not perfect about any of this or at any of this. I just know it's true from the research. And every time I talk about it, think about it, research it, it changes me a little bit. But I want to say, I hope without a shred of ego, but a whole lot of research, passion, and experience, I believe you can solve every organizational, leadership, team, and sales issue against these eight. Most people are solving the wrong problem. Most people don't have a way to define it. It's always a function of one of these. You might say, well, we've got a, we, we, got, we might have a clarity problem. They're all interconnected too, by the way. Well, we share the, the, the vision at the annual meeting. You're not sharing it consistently every 21 days. Nobody knows it, so it's not clear and you lost clarity. You might say, well, we got a co commitment problem. Might be directly, it might be a compassion problem. People aren't feeling cared about, so they're not committed. But they all work together and these, everything falls under these eight. People say, well, yeah, Dave, but you know, it's an engagement problem we got. The only way to solve an engagement problem, the research shows, is to increase trust, then you get more engagement. Say, so, David, you like C's, isn't it ever a communication issue? Ladies and gentlemen, at the core, it is never a communication issue. Clear communication is trusted. Unclear is not. Compassionate communication is trusted. Hateful is not. Consistent is inconsistent. High character is, low character isn't. It's always a function of these eight. And when you can define them, then you can start to solve them. So I believe you can solve every organizational leadership team issue against these eight. That's the quick framework. Allison will put some tools in the forum so you have ways to go deeper. In our time together, let's just revisit or visit about a few of these pillars so you have some takeaways you can use tomorrow morning in the place you live, work, and lead. Here we go. Clarity. People trust the clear and they mistrust or distrust the ambiguous. Last year, I gave you the idea here, the how, how, how plan, which is how, how I lost you know, 52 pounds in five months 
and it's a process for getting to clarity that gives hope, that takes an idea to an action. Couple quick ideas on clarity for our time. You know, in April or May, during this, uh, this whole pandemic, I, I, I had the opportunity to walk with or talk to or connect with leaders that did really well in the midst of it and those that lost a whole lot of trust. And some of the ones that gained trust did it even while having to lay off thousands of people. And I watched some people which uh, lost a whole lot of trust even if they didn't have to lay off people. It was how they did things. So one of the leaders, Bobby Herrera, amazing leader of a great med tech company, uh, global company now, we were talking, I said, hey, what's making the difference for you right now? And he said, well, one thing that I go back to is VUCA. You know, when I went through the US War College, it was in the 1980s, way before I built this business. And he said, you know, we were taught something. He said, sometime in war, in battle, or when we're serving our country, we're gonna come into a time of the acronym VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, or ambiguity. Sometime, we're gonna do all this training and, and we're still gonna come into a time of uncertainty. Have you felt like you've had some uncertainty lately? Hey, farming's like that every year. It doesn't take a pandemic, right? To have fluctuating prices and different government laws and issues and global challenges and weather challenges, it's hard to prepare. We have an industry filled with uncertainty. So in the midst of that VUCA, he said, you know, I had to, I, I got trained to jump out of a helicopter here in America, but the first time I did it on foreign soil in the midst of battle, it was just different. And it came back to me. Okay, VUCA. Instead of just jumping up and getting shot at, pause for a second and ask two questions. That's what VUCA teaches. Whenever you're in uncertainty, volatility, complexity, ask two questions. Number one. What can I control and what should I do first? I've watched leaders over those last six, eight months, some of them spend so much time thinking about things they cannot control, worrying about things they cannot control. It doesn't mean we don't have to think about what the weather could be like or what's gonna happen in China or what commodity prices might be like, but the leaders that pause and think, okay, but what can I control in the midst of this pandemic? What can I control in the midst of this uncertainty? they always found more things than they ever dreamed that they actually could control. And then they ask, and what should I do first? Of those things, what should I do first? I remember I was on a call with General McChrystal. You remember he led um, joint, uh, the, the whole North American forces in Afghanistan. And, and he was saying, in this time, instead of having this big long vision and all these big things, we have to come together to daily or weekly plant our flag and say, okay, this is our goal. We don't know what's gonna happen. It's an uncertain time, so let's plant a vision just for this week. Or this is where we're headed just today. And you have to shorten the time frame up and say, okay, what should we do first? What's the one thing we should do right now? What's our big idea for today or for just this week? So. In the midst of ambiguity, in the midst of uncertainty that will surely happen again, even after the vaccine, even as COVID goes away, we will have uncertainty. Ask, what can I control and what should I do first? That's one of the things I see the best leaders do. One, a couple other ideas under this one. Um, the, you know, when I put down, think long-term and short-term. One thing I've seen people do well as far as this clarity pillar, the best leaders have had this ability to balance thinking long-term 
and short term. The worst leaders are unwilling to do either well or only do one. So if you remember, you know, uh, Admiral Stockdale, he was the highest ranking uh, person in the, um, in the Vietnam War that was a, a POW, prisoner of war. And he felt terrible whenever he, you know, he would hear of other prisoners dying, being the highest ranking individual, you know, in, in Vietnam. And, and he just, he was asked when he got out, he said, what was it? You, you watched people die. You watched people not make it. You watched all, the, all these prisoners of war. You were in there with them. And you saw people make it and you saw people not make it. And he said, what was it about those that didn't make it? Was there anything common? He said, absolutely. They were the optimists. And what happened to the optimists? Well, they would think, oh, I'm going to get out by Christmas. And then they wouldn't. I wasn't going to get out by Easter. And then they wouldn't. And they only thought, oh, it's all going to work out. It can all work out. Now, if I was going to say something common about my farmer dad, he's an optimist. But he also balances it. And that's what Stockdale said. He said, those that actually made it balanced long-term faith that the outcome would work out with the ability to confront the brutal facts today. And I watched people, and you did too, in April and May, not confront the brutal facts about this pandemic, about what's really happening, and just say, well, it's gonna work out, or well this, or well that. And this ability, Stockdale said, of being willing to confront the brutal facts and also have long-term, long, long-term faith and even optimism. That ability to put those together, that is what was common about those that made it. Another idea under the clarity pillar. One last idea under the clarity pillar. I call it the ODC method, where expectations, if you're expecting, this gets really granular for those of you that are managing, maybe you're managing farms or maybe you're managing teams. And uh, I thought of, you know, the first time I was in leadership, I was a foreigner in foreign land, Arkansas. Um, I basically, I had all staff. Uh, I loved it, by the way. I had a great board, I had a great team, but um, almost all my staff was older than me. I wasn't getting what I wanted. I sort of think, maybe it's me. And so I came up with a little idea and I got absolutely clear on what I needed from team members. And this little idea came out as ODC. And I started to get what I wanted when I went through this process. The O stands for outcome. What's the specific outcome we need from this? A clear outcome. I'm not gonna micromanage how they get there, but what's the clear outcome? And the, the D stands for deadline. When, specifically, when can you make this to the next level even? Maybe it's not the final outcome, but the next level. What's the D, deadline? Many, many, many people, many leaders, do not give a deadline because they're afraid it might lead to conflict when not giving a deadline will ensure you have conflict. The C stands for clarifiers. Are we clear? Giving a space and say, are, are, have I been clear about this? Are you clear about the outcome we're going for here? So a little idea in leadership as far as clarity is concerned, if you're managing people, maybe this is even with kids. You know, I remember when one of my daughters was younger, I said, okay, we clearly were not on the same page of what a clean room looks like. So I actually helped clean it. Okay, here's, here's the outcome I'm going for. Now, I don't wanna micromanage, I don't wanna make you not a kid, you're gonna mess things up, but let's just say it's no clothes on the floor and a made bed, that's it. A lot of other things can happen, but if we do those two things, what does that look like? And we, okay, this is the outcome, this is a clear, this is a clear example. Now we have 
a clear unified outcome. Are you clear? Am I clear? Okay, that's the outcome. When's the deadline? And maybe there's a clarity around consequences or just plain clarity. Anyway, ODC, simple method to get to clarity when you're managing people. There is much more to David's trust workshop that you can watch alongside presentations given by the many DTN experts on topics like weather, market conditions, and so much more at dtn.com backslash dtn-ag-summit. You can learn more about David at his website, trustedge.com, or follow him at social media at David Horsager. That's D-A-V-I-D-H-O-R-S-A-G-E-R. This episode of Field Post was brought to you by the team at DTN Progressive Farmer, with special thanks to David Horsager and Katie Dellinger. This episode was produced and edited by me, Sarah Mock, with support by Greg Hillier and Kylie Swanson. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And until then, remember, the future of farming is here. This episode of Field Post is brought to you by DTN Ag Weather Station. Are you looking to get more accurate, hyper-local weather information? By gathering weather and agronomic data directly from your own fields, DTN Ag Weather Station supports you when making targeted decisions around expensive or high-risk activities like chemical applications and irrigation. DTN's Ag Weather Station can be purchased for as low as $9 a month depending on your current customer status with DTN. If you're looking to increase your weather accuracy while saving time, please visit dtn.com.